The situation in Haiti right now is dire. Gangs have taken over the capital, Port-au-Prince, where killings, kidnappings, and violent assaults are constant. The UN estimates that more than 500 people have died in gang-related incidents since the beginning of this year alone. And things seem to be getting worse. Over a two-week stretch this month, more than 300 people were either killed or kidnapped. The pressure on Canada is building, particularly from the U.S., to intervene. It's one of the topics Prime Minister Trudeau and President Biden will likely discuss in this week's visit. Today, I'm talking to Mikhail Jean. She's the former Governor General of Canada and former UNESCO Special Envoy to Haiti, where she was born. She'll tell us how Haiti fell into this crisis and what role, if any, Canada should play in the country. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Madame Jean, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. How would you describe the situation in Haiti right now? I'm glad you're asking this question because uh, uh, having in mind the context is very important. I mean, the complexity and the magnitude of what the people in Haiti is experiencing right now. We've seen over decades, you know, compounding security and humanitarian crisis. And now Haiti faces a, a severe, you know, very severe gang issue. Uh, you have to imagine the population under the constant threat of uh, warlike battles between gangs. Mm. And these gangs are criminal organizations. And these battles, even between the gangs, have claimed a high number of civilian casualties and have effectively hindered all aspects of daily life. This is what, you know, people that I know in Haiti, living in Haiti right now, are telling me it is affecting, you know, every aspect of their daily lunch. Mm. So these criminal organizations are deeply rooted in politics. These groups are also feeling economic need as they provide violent services, you know, that allows the ruling elites to exer exercise no control for strategic areas. They operate like, uh, like a mafia. The mercenary groups are called upon uh, to provide electoral support, for example, suppress op opposition, to secure business deals. All kinds of power. The, the, the means such as bribery, vandalism, massacres, assassinations, and kidnappings. So we've seen these uh, gangs, you know, surging to record general strengths. They are embedded in, in the communities. They have exploited the extreme poverty. They have exploited the fact that 60% of the population are youth you know, under 30, under 25 even, with a sense of no future, living in very precarious situations, and these young people become the perfect prey. And by joining gangs, they are paid much more than police officers. Wow. So they are also paid in drugs and weapons, and they feel empowered. So they have also exploited every gap caused by bad governance. Insecurity in Haiti is linked to bad governance. I, I just want to ask you, you, you mentioned that you're actually in touch with people on the ground there, Madame Jean. What are you hearing from them? Like, what is day-to-day what is -day life like there right now? 
day-to-day life is you're always afraid to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So people feel at risk constantly, constantly on a daily basis. The capital, Porto Pinas, the capital of Haiti, is controlled by more than 100 mercenary you know, groups, criminal organizations, so-called you know, gangs. Uh, that's, and, and every neighborhood right now is under their control. Before, there were like some sanctuary zones that they occupied, but now it's the whole city, the whole city. Wow. Um, kidnapping is, is a daily risk uh, for people. It's like hell. And people live like rats because they're always afraid of going out and, and you do need to, to go out to where you have to survive. So being so close to Haiti still, being informed of, of what is happening is in Haiti is very troubling for me because, because the situation is one of immense danger. Uh, it's, it's a people in great danger right now. Things have really deteriorated in the country since July 2021, when the president of Haiti, Jovenel Moïse, was assassinated. What's happened since then that's led Haiti to this moment? So um, with, with the predecessor of President Moïse, who, who was assassinated, uh, he had given total you know, impunity to the current organizations, which means that they took the space. Uh, and, and, and some of, of these criminal organizations also received, you know, money from uh, political parties and, uh, and from uh, the president's political party itself, you know. So we saw gangs, you know, expanding and, and multiplying exponentially uh, in Haiti to, to the situation we are now in, where you have like more than a hundred of them controlling totally uh, the capital, and they are taking advantage of you know uh, the weakness of, of of the government. They are taking advantage also of the fact that they are so close to power, and now they have complete they have the complete power uh, o- over the capital. And we're also hearing about outbreaks of cholera as well as food and fuel shortages. Would you be able to talk about how how those play into the destabilization in Haiti as well? Well. It means that the whole country is paralyzed. And, and what you're seeing is that the de facto prime minister in place that has been installed by the group of ambassadors, of foreign ambassadors uh, in Port-au-Prince, you know, immediately after the assassination of President Moise, um, decided, decided and announced with a tweet, you know, hmm. that the new person in charge of the state the head of government would be uh, Ariel Henry, who was someone that President Moïse had considered as his future you know, prime minister. But Ariel Henry has never been, I mean, installed officially. Uh, the he pres- was not democratically elected, is what you're saying, the current, the current and leader. Not, and he's not elected. So, so, so he, has, he doesn't have the trust of the population hmm. because it feels as if Haiti had and in, in, indeed it has lost, you know, its sovereignty. Hmm. So he's not popular at all. There's, there's a, a total, total erosion of trust towards him. He has failed in restoring, you know, security in the country. Uh, he doesn't even have the confidence. He doesn't even have the trust from the, the Haitian National Police. 
And and after the assassination of President Moise, you had a, like a huge mobilization of civil society organizations, over 700 of them, who actually wanted and were asking, were calling for the return to the constitutional order and, and wanted to have you know, in place a transitional entity with representatives of the, the major sectors, you know, of, uh, of civil society in Haiti. And, um, you know, <laughs> what we're seeing right now is a total failure. Uh, Haiti is a failed state right now. I, sometimes I wonder, you know, how can we come out of this situation? And definitely Haiti cannot come out of this alone. We'll be back in a moment. So let's talk about Canada's part in all of this. Uh, what role has Canada played in, in the issues that are happening in Haiti right now? Uh, Canada has um, has had, you know, like strong cooperation with Haiti. And uh, when I listened to what the prime minister recently said, is that for him, you know, the best way to restore some stability for Haiti is to first sanction the elites, mm. to tell them, that they can no longer finance the gangs. He said that last week and he added, we must ensure that the Haitian National Police have the power to do their jobs. And, and Canada did do that. Canada sanctioned over a dozen uh, elites, political and economic elites in Haiti. Yeah, Canada did that. And at the same time, I think it's, it's very important for Canada and the United States to come clean about what I would call the shared responsibility of what is happening in Haiti. Yeah, maybe we can talk too about Canada and US's role in, in previous international intervention in Haiti. Uh, this was something that Trudeau touched on recently as well. Trudeau has said that military intervention in Haiti has not gone well in the past. Uh, what role has international intervention played in, in this current crisis in the country? Haitians are very sensitive to that because Haiti was, was occupied by the Americans, you know, from uh, 1915 to 1934. Mm. And it left like a very bitter experience because they were, they were quite brutal. And uh, since uh, that occupation, when, they, when the Americans left, they put in place the Haitian forces, military forces. And, and the, the U.S. is asking now for, for Canada to actually play a role no, more, too. Um, so I guess given that, that Haitians are, are understandably concerned then about international intervention, what do you think support for Haiti at a time like this should actually look like? We have to examine, for example, uh, one set of actions taken by the government of Canada, the sanctions. Hmm. And... and um, the United States, meanwhile, have you know has cheered but not matched Canada's sanctions. Hmm. Uh, it has imposed Washington has imposed visa restrictions on more than forty alleged gang leaders uh, and supporters since October, and uh, levied you know sanctions uh, on, on on four people. So beyond sanctions, should Canada take any other part in in something happening in Haiti? If only, you know, um, in their discussions, uh, President Biden and Prime Minister Trudeau, they could agree on a more coordinated you know, effort around the sanctions, I think that would definitely, definitely help. And also what is needed, and it goes to the second part of what 
Prime Minister Trudeau has said, he believes that uh, the Haitian National Police needs, you know, to have the power to do their jobs. Um, and and we saw Canada actually coming with some logistical, you know, support. I think the the two ships that were sent uh, were like created a lot of hope. These were Canadian military ships sent in February to patrol the waters outside of Haiti. Yes. Hmm. And it created like some the hopes that they would actually take actions against, you know, the trafficking activities happening, you know, in Haitian seas and territorial seas and 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 also to tackle, you know, these uh, activities carried out by the criminal organizations. Hmm. There are certainly those who say Canada shouldn't intervene at all in Haiti, uh, particularly because of the history of intervention in that country, uh, but also because it can be very expensive and can take a long time. Like we're talking years here for for this kind of intervention. Is doing nothing a viable option? Doing nothing is not a viable option. I mm-hmm. think we are really in a typical situation and, and dire situation of people in danger. And, and of course, Canadian officials have said, you know, any outside intervention must be backed by a political consensus in Haiti. But, you know, I, I think Canada has noticed also that previous interventions have not led to their desired outcomes. And they have also cast, you know, a certain doubt on whether the Canadian armed forces have the capacity for the type of mission the United States uh, has proposed. So. Some, you know, also bristle, you know, at the notion that they have not already assumed a leadership role because this is what, you know, President Biden is asking, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, you know, could Canada take the lead and, and of an international, you know, uh, military mission, you know, in Haiti? And Canada is hesitating. And what they're saying that, of course, is they have like reinforced their diplomatic presence in Haiti. They have deployed several missions to to assess needs. They will provide armored vehicles and, and other support to the police. They have imposed sanctions on, on 17 Haitians, including alleged gang leaders and their alleged backers among the political and business elite. And, you know, the United States, meanwhile, you know, has not matched Canada's sanctions. Hmm. So what else do you think Canada should be doing in terms of supporting Haiti then? The Haitian National Police... Uh, if we talk about it, are under-equipped, underpaid, understaffed. And just to give you a number, you have approximately 10,000 officers, meaning that the country faces a you know, policing ratio of one officer per 1,200 citizens. Hmm. So, and as the police continues to, to, to lose control, uh, the attrition rate is likely to steadily climb. Well, you know, a lot of them have resigned because it's defined it too risky. Uh, some have joined, you know, uh, some gangs. Uh, some have control also over, you know, some the, some armed trafficking. So how can Canada help the, the police there? Is this, are we talking about training, sending, sending actual people ourselves? What, what, would, what would be the best way to do this? I think training, training is important. I think helping to gather intelligence is important because right now, Every operation, every action that the Haitian National Police is taking is blindly, you know, and that's why you have so many casualties also among, uh, you know, police officers. That's a problem. Hmm. Uh, Canada has sent like uh, a special plane to do that kind of monitoring of mobility of, of, uh, you know, these mercenaries, you know, on the ground. They have promised to provide also drones to do that. 
Uh, and I'm going back to the ships. The ships were important. They were important because Haiti has no ways of, of you know, controlling its its borders and 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 the trafficking, you know, happening uh, uh, by sea. Um, and 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 you know, tackling arm and drug trafficking is crucial. You know, the United States and Florida, in particular, is the main source of firearms for Haiti. And what I'm saying now is the UN Office on Drugs and Crime, you know, reports that says it. It came out just this month, mm-hmm. and and uh, and they are often, you know, procured through straw men in states with lax gun laws, and then trafficked, you know, illegally to Haiti. That's a problem. Um, this is another issue that no one talks about, and and Canada could do something about it. It's the deportation. Hmm. Canada has a policy of deporting immigrants who have committed certain classes of crime back to their countries of origin. Okay, and and this pattern of of college, you know, circular, you know, migration, immigration to Canada followed by deportation has unique implications also for the development of transnational organized crime. And the government of Canada knows that. Essentially sending criminals back to Haiti, essentially, is what you're saying. Back to Haiti, uh, you know, I think that as these two men sit down together, President Biden and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, they also have to talk about this because deportation is practiced by the United States and Canada in the same manner. And we start taking in consideration that they're just shifting a problem, you know, from our soil in Canada, from American soil to Haiti, a country that has no state, a country that doesn't have even, you know, a judiciary system to mm. actually address this problem of deportees uh, who who are engaged, you know, in uh, in criminal uh, activities also. Well, let, let me ask you this this directly then, Madame Jean. Prime Minister Trudeau and, and President Biden are meeting on Friday. And uh, as we've said, the U.S. has asked Canada to play a lead role in, in the international effort to assist Haiti. What do you hope will come of their conversation? I'm hoping that there can be a moment of truth. I'm hoping that they will address also uh, the kind of responsibilities uh, that Canada, the United States, share in the problem actually happening in Haiti, the total insecurity and proliferation of criminal organizations who have taken control over the country. And also, uh, how about seeing how they can help you know, reinforce the Haitian National Police? You know, in a normal state, you wouldn't see the citizens trying to find solutions, you know, themselves to address a situation of insecurity. Well, the men that Canada, the United States, France, and and all the other, you know, foreign powers have put in place is completely overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. He doesn't have the confidence, even the, you know, the trust of the, of the Mm. police. Mm. Uh, So, so that too, they need to look at the fact that it's been a mistake, a huge mistake. And, and of course, why not listen to what you know Haitians themselves are saying about this issue of of governance and 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 how it will take a different you know entity for a, a transitional government to organize the elections to be in place. So rather listen listen to the people of Haiti to to see what listen actually they need Listen to the people here. of Haiti. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you listen carefully, what were they saying? 
They were asking for the respect of the rule of law. They were mm. asking for more accountability. They are asking for the return to the to the constitutional order. They're asking for really measures and policies to tackle you know, extreme poverty in Haiti. Mm. We all have to take responsibilities and say that it's not, it's not just about Haiti. It's a national, regional, continental issue. And that issue has you know, a devastating impact and severe impact on all of us. And this is what is happening to Haiti. Uh, Madame Jean, thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.